Welcome to the Leading Your Church podcast. My name is Rich Cochran. And on this podcast, we're going to talk about uh, the practices and the principles that can help our churches overcome plateau and decline and become spiritually healthy once again. I think that's the desire of most of our hearts as pastors as, and ministry leaders. We want to see our churches overcome plateau and decline. The problem is um, most churches in America are experiencing plateau or decline. And you see, we don't want our churches just growing again so that we can have a big church. That's not the, the heart behind overcoming plateau and decline. No, the heart is that we want to see our churches become healthy. We want to see them bear fruits of discipleship, fruits of evangelism once again. And on this podcast, we're going to talk about very practical things that can help us as we lead our churches forward. Because I believe that most of us, whether you're a pastor, whether you're on church staff, whether you're a volunteer, a lay leader, a deacon, whether you're a a man or a woman and you're wanting to lead a, a ministry forward, our heart is... We want to see God move in our church and in our ministries once again. So how do we start bearing fruit again? Those are going to be the things we talk about each week in our podcast, Leading the Church. So um, a little bit about me. My name is Rich. I've been in ministry for over 25 years. I, I like to say I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm a leader, but I'm a learner. If I feel like every day I'm learning something new, and I hope that never changes. I hope that's always a part of who I am. Um, I've worked in churches of all sizes from 200 to 1500, and I currently pastor a very normal church. We run about 300, and I face many of the same questions and challenges that you do every single week. As a leader, I've led through crisis. In March of 2009, uh, the church I served, a gunman came into our morning, our first worship service, and came in and shot and killed our pastor. After that, uh, myself and one of uh, another staff member, we led the church as we were trying to lead our, our church forward. How, how do we work through this tragedy? Tragedy. How do we how do we begin to move forward again? And so, together uh, as co-leaders, along with our lay volunteers and other staff, we helped our church go through the process of grieving and growing again. The church continued to grow. And we went from almost from 1250 to almost 1500 in that time frame after that. We continued utilizing our strategy plan and we built a three and a half million dollar building just following the plan and the path that had been set out for us. And another way I've led in crisis, I, I, I went on staff at a church after they had reorganized the staff and the ministries, and, and I took the place of, a, of, a, of another staff member. And so um, you can imagine the, the delicacy of that situation as I was leading in a, in a new place, a new position as the church was trying to um, work through and find its ministry identity. 
the church I'm currently pastoring. Um, I, I became the pastor of the church following the previous pastor who had been here for 25 years, had great, healthy, solid ministry, tragically died of a heart attack. And so I've been leading the church um, after his passing. And so I've led through crisis. I've, I've led uh, churches who were growing um, rapidly, real quick. We were growing almost 20% and we sat right outside Outreach Magazine's top 100 uh, growing churches. So I've, read, uh, I've led at growing churches and I've been a part of leading a church to grow again. So I, I've been there when we've had to try to discern and, and determine where God was leading us, um, how to ask the questions, how to evaluate, so that we could begin get, bearing spiritual fruit again. So I've led through crisis. Um, I've led through quick growing, uh, through fast growing churches, and I've led as we've begun to grow again. And so that hits a lot of our topics and ideas and conversations around leadership. One of the things I hope in this podcast is that something that's said will spark the idea inside of you so that you can lead your church. I believe with all of my heart that neighborhood pastors, pastors of the local church um, becomes the the best place to lead that neighborhood, that local church moving forward. A few years ago, I was in a conference in South Florida at Jimmy Scroggins Church in um, West Palm Beach, and uh, they've got a great vision to plant new churches throughout all of South Florida. And if you can imagine all of the different um, people, uh, the different language barriers, the, the different types of neighborhoods that are in South Florida, and their vision is that they want neighborhood pastors leading a neighborhood church, reaching the neighborhoods. And I began thinking, you know what? That's not just for South Florida. That is for all across America. Um, I pastor in the Midwest, and we need neighborhood pastors leading neighborhood churches to grow again. And so in this podcast, we're going to talk about practices and principles that can help us as we lead and move our churches forward. My prayer for you is that that you will become that you will grow deeper, that you will um, be healthy spiritually as a leader, whether you're the pastor, whether you're on church staff, or you are a lay leader in in the church. It will take all of us to help lead our churches forward, and we have to be healthy spiritually. And so um, in this episode, I want to answer, I want to talk about... um, Church growth or church health and church growth is both spiritual and it's systematic. Church growth, church health is spiritual and it's systematic. So when we think about our church becoming um, b- becoming healthy and growing, um, it is spiritual. What I mean by that is um, when we think about our churches and as our churches are, um, we're trying to bear spiritual fruit, I, I, I put down seven truths that we know about church health and church growth being spiritual. The, the first, as believers, as disciples, as pastors, as ministry leaders, both male and female, as as leaders in the church, we are called to bear fruit. 
That's not just something for us as leaders. As, as all followers of Christ, we are called to bear fruit. Jesus and with his disciples, he said, um, if you remain in me, if you abide in me, then you will bear much fruit. We want to bear the fruits of discipleship. Uh, the fruits of the Spirit should be said about us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those ought to be fruits and evidences of our lives. And as pastors and ministry leaders, we need to, to lead the people in our congregation to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the fruit of spiritual disciplines, um, spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, spending time sharing our testimony. We've got we've to bear the fruit that comes from having healthy, consistent spiritual disciplines. And then the fruit of evangelism. I do believe that God wants and desires our churches to grow numerically from reaching people who are far from God or are disconnected from his church. And so when we think about bearing the fruits of evangelism, that means that we have to become comfortable being uncomfortable having spiritual conversations. And so... Um, the, 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 one of the truths of uh, that church health and church growth is spiritual is that we are called by God. By, Jesus says that we should bear fruit. One of the second truths uh, about the church growth being spiritual is that it is God who draws us to salvation. Salvation is God's work. God's work in drawing the person who is far from God. And it is God's work in us bearing fruit to help people understand the truth and the power of the gospel. And so it is God who is at work bringing people to salvation. We are told in the scripture, third, that we are to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. I know I've been very guilty at times of complaining about not having enough volunteers and complaining about not having enough people and complaining. And com In reality, I need to be spending time praying to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And so that is spiritual. God calling people out of the pew to, in, to go to serve and work in the harvest. God calling people to the ministry and the work of the ministry. And as pastors, it's not our job to do all the ministry. It's our job to equip the saints for the ministry. And so um, it is spiritual in that we are to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. The fourth thing about... Uh, bearing spiritual fruit, um, that, that it is spiritual uh, of nature, that church growth and church health is spiritual. The fourth thing is that the spiritual life of the pastor and the ministry leader matters way more than you may think. We have to be spiritually healthy. We have to be spiritually growing. Our prayer life matters. One of the most surprising things I've found as I've moved from a second chair leader uh, to becoming a, a senior pastor is the weight that I feel, the calling I feel to prayer is much deeper and much bigger 
than I ever dreamed that it would be. One of the episodes that we're going to have here in just a few weeks is going to be talking about the importance and the practice of a prayer in our church ministries. And what does that look like? What does that look like in my life as a pastor, as a ministry leader? The fifth thing about church growth being spiritual is that um, spiritual warfare is real. Spiritual warfare is real. Uh, The scripture says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities. Spiritual warfare is significant and it is real. And so when we think about um, leading a healthy church, leading a growing church, I can promise you that Satan is going to want to come against that. And so it's spiritual because spiritual warfare is taking place. It's not just simply do these four things and um, your church will automatically start growing. No, there is going to be spiritual warfare. Number six, as I mentioned a while ago, the importance not just of... um, uh, the, the spiritual life of the leader, the pastor, and the ministry leaders, but the importance of prayer throughout the body, uh, the church body. Um, how do we pray corporately and how do we lead the people uh, in our church to pray? Prayer is of vital importance in the, the health and the, 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 the growth of our church. And then the seventh thing is the clear gospel message is power. Paul writes and said it is it is the dunamis, the dynamite, the gospel message is the power of salvation. And so when we think about spiritual health and our church becoming healthy and our church begin growing again and and bearing spiritual fruit, we know that the gospel is power. And so we don't want to drift away from that, or we don't want to try a gimmick or a gadget, or if we just had more of that. The gospel is power. The gospel um, is alive, and we need to hold on to the message of the gospel. So I want you to think about these three questions. These are questions you can talk about with your team. You can talk about them with your volunteers at one of your next meetings. Uh, But I would love for you to take a few minutes and actually write down the answers to these three questions. The first question is, what spiritual fruit do you see in your church? When you look around and you look at the ministries and you look at the things that are happening in the life of your church, what spiritual fruit do you see in the life of your church? That's the first question. The second question, what might it look like if God were to birth new spiritual fruit in your church? What might it look like if if God were to begin to move and God were to um, begin to bear fruit in your church? What would that new fruit look like? What might it look like? This is a good time for you and your team to dream and to ask the question, um, what do we see God doing around us? Or what could we see, what, what, what can we dream about God doing in the life of our church? Write that down. Have that conversation. Third, as a leader, how would you describe your spiritual heart? 
You know, sometimes as a pastor, uh, I'll say things, say something in a sermon and I'll see people kind of elbowing and and nudging their spouse or um, I'll see them look down the pew at their children as like, did you hear what he had to say? You know, sometimes it's so easy for us to look at the fruit or the lack of fruit in other people's lives and not evaluate our own spiritual hearts. And I want to encourage you to take some time and reflect. What does your spiritual heart look like right now? Those three questions again. What spiritual fruit do you see in your church? What spiritual fruit would you like for God to begin birthing in your church? And as a leader, how would you describe your spiritual heart? Church growth is not only spiritual, though. Uh, Church growth and church health is systematic. And I think this is where a lot of times as churches we begin to struggle. When I, when I talk about church growth being systematic, I talk about the, I'm, I'm talking about the systems and the way we go about doing and leading ministry. You see, for far, for far too long, we've, we've measured the success um, of our church based off of how many are in attendance or how, how many buildings or how many uh, dollars have been given. And while those are important, that's not the only fruit that we need to bear. We need to bear the fruits of discipleship in the, in the members' lives because that's, that's what Jesus has called us to do. He didn't call us to build a big church. He called us to make disciples. He called us to reach people who are far from him. He called us to bear fruit. And so in our churches, we have to look at the structure and the systems that might be and may be the cause of your plateau and decline in your church. It's also the systematic things that begin to get churches at odds with one another. Uh, We have our preferences and we have our um, things that we like and, and we can allow those things. We can allow these systematic things to control most of everything that goes on in the church. So some things that I'm thinking about when I talk about church growth and church health is systematic. Uh, When we look at um, God's creation, God's creation has order and structure. You look at the solar system, and and that system is is far beyond our wildest imagination. It it is hard for me to even fathom the the distance that we've been able to identify and see uh, the furthest stars and universes. My mind just can't even uh, fathom those things. When we look around creation and we see uh, the order of the seasons, I've lived in places that had um, like summer and winter and um, in the Midwest, we get all four of the seasons and you can see the, the systematic order of God's creation. We can also see that in our own human bodies, all of the different systems that make up the bodies and what do doctors do so that they know how to, to care and prevent illness and disease or to treat illness and disease. They study the healthy system so that they know how to treat the body when it, the systems aren't functioning like they're supposed to. 
when we look at the Bible, um, Jethro went to Moses and said, the way you're leading is not healthy. And Jethro gave Moses um, a way to break up his leadership into some structure and two systems. He he said, let's make this systematic in the way that you're judging and you're leading the people. Some other things I think about when I think about the systems and, and church growth and health being systematic is uh, when we have clear vision, it's one thing to know where we're going. It's one thing to, to have a nice, concise statement. But I've seen way too many churches and way too many leaders, pastors, church staff, uh, deacons, ministry leaders. I've seen way too many uh, leaders get sidetracked in the execution. And the execution of ministry plans is just as important as having great vision and clear vision. Because if you cannot execute the plans and, and, and execute in a way that it takes you to where you're wanting to go, then you'll never end up at that vision or that predetermined um, identification, that predetermined place that you think God is leading your church. So the church growth and health being systematic is also when you look at church growth barriers, you think about some obvious things, but sometimes the obvious things we, we miss because we're just not um, paying attention to the structure and the system. Things like, do we have enough parking space to um, reach new people? How many parking spaces do we have? You know, we may have five extra parking spaces, but, and if our dream and our, we're praying that God would bring um, 50 new people to our church, well, five new parking spaces isn't enough. It's just simple nuts and bolts, not just parking space, but, but rooms and spaces. Do we have enough preschool space? Do we have enough children's space? What about our teenagers? Do we have enough space to add new adult uh, small groups on campus if that's the way uh, that you choose to do your groups? Do we have enough space? Do we have enough worship space? What is our capacity? Those things are very systematic. What about volunteers? Do we have enough volunteers to lead out in the ministries that we feel God is putting us uh, and calling us to? Another way to think about church health and growth being systematic is looking at the demographics of your community. When you look and you recognize who God has placed around you, do your ministry plans match up with um, making an impact and, and helping the people that live in right around your church to fall in love with Jesus um, and so demographics help us. What about church communication? I know in churches that communication can be incredibly challenging. And, and, and I know as a, as a church leader for so long, I, um, we would have an event and <clears throat> I would stand up on the platform and, and I would announce it and I would invite people and, and then nobody would show up. And I said, I don't know what happened. I told them. I told them. Well, 
Church communication is very systematic. What are the different ways we communicate? We know everybody doesn't show up every week, but a lot of times our communication would be that we, we expect everyone to be there every week and to hear everything that we say. Church communication is how we also communicate the why of what we're doing in our ministry. That The why is just as important as the what. And in church communication, we have this dance back and forth between the why and the what. And sometimes you need more why and sometimes you need more what. We need alignment in our churches between the church calendar, uh, between ministries, between special days. And that's where church health and church growth is very systematic. The last way I would tell you that it's very systematic is in the way that we gather information about guests and people who visit and people who have stopped attending our church. How, do, how are we gathering that information? And then how are we following up? That's the front door and the back door. It is very systematic. And so when we go week by week through this new podcast, Leading Your Church, what I hope is that we will talk about some very practical ways, some things that you can do that are principle-based, that, that you can lead, you can tweak, that you can make your own so that you can lead your church to overcome plateau and decline. Your church, as you lead it forward, its health and its growth will be spiritual. Do not neglect that pastor. Do not neglect that ministry leader. It is spiritual. And it is also systematic. So I want to encourage you to join me again each week as we look at ways that we can lead our churches to overcome plateau and decline.